are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power hey everybody welcome to shop talk where we're here to give you practical applications you can use in your commercial insurance production career today we're going to talk about how to drive wedges and also how to get along symbiotically with those pesky payroll companies those payroll companies, they want to steal the comp, but they need us to place it for them too mm. in some circumstances. This has been a hot topic in a couple of forums, so I figured this is a good one to talk about when you're, when you're, when you're dealing with payroll companies. Because for me, I can't speak for Mr. Mr. Gurley who's with us, but I know for me, and I can also comfortably say for Kyle, payroll companies are a huge source of referrals for us. Yep. So you got to be careful, man. I mean, we can't be taking, we can't be biting the hand that feeds us. But at the same time, those people can't always give the best options to your client. And so I figured, why not? Let's just talk about what it's like to sell for them and what it's like to sell against them. And I think that's pretty practical information people can take and immediately use to generate business in their book. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so num- number one wedge. Like, so let's talk about working against a payroll company first. Let's just get. I think when I wrote, I wrote a blog post on this yesterday, and I think that I, when I started going into the negative, like how you work against them, I believe the comment I made was, "Let's get this nasty savagery out of the way be- <laughs> at, at the beginning." So, let's get the let's get the. Um, the competition part out of the way. So number one, Kyle, number one wedge that you well, can drive for, against a payroll company right now. Well, for one, I mean, they're not licensed insurance agents. They ha- they're they not going to be able to provide any type of support in the event of a claim, you know, to the level that an independent agency like ourselves or much of our listeners are going to be able to do. Um, yeah, we don't I have mean, claims. We've never had a problem with it. So that's really not a big deal for us. Well, <laughs> It's, a, it's not a big deal one. until it is, until you have one. I mean, that's like that. I, th- that response is always hilarious to me. You sound like my father-in-law right now. Oh, I haven't had a claim <laughs> in thirty years. Okay, dude, just wait till one of your containers falls in the ocean. Um, yeah, I mean the uh, the number one thing that I always see on policies that are done through payroll companies is it's missing every credit under the sun. There's never a dividend. Um, and they get zero support at audit. So those are about six things or three. Never been good at math. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the I think the whole audit thing makes sense, right? Because they're auditing. I mean, they're on they're on pay as you go. But what does that have to do with subcontractors? It has nothing to do with subcontractors. Right. So, okay, you're not getting any support at audit. Gurley's a big proponent of support at audit, but I mean, you know. The dividend piece makes sense, but being devil's advocate, that doesn't necessarily play across the country because not every state offers dividends. Um, but that being said, we don't have lost cost multipliers here in Florida that affect the rates like they do in other states. And that could be a huge one, right? So, you know, one of the things I think of right out of the box is how big are these companies? Are they big enough to have a mod? Many times they're not. Many times, you know, when you're dealing with somebody who's buying their comp from the payroll company, I'm not saying the majority of the times, but a good number of them, it's not even, the, the mod's a 1.0. They don't have enough meat on the bone to get a mod promulgated to begin with. And if they yes. do, any variance in it really isn't going to be a huge amount. So they're not going to feel the pain of pricing in Florida, you know, in many cases. But there are those that do have mods. And they have mods higher than one. And I'm pretty sure that the payroll company is not going in there when the mod comes out and using Mod Advisor to figure out what's going on with the mod. Not so I think all. that's a big one we can use here, right? Is what kind of mod software is there? What are they what are they, you know, doing to validate that your mod is correct? But take that and throw it out, right? Because again, going back to, to what I'd said, a lot of them are too small to even have a mod or there's not enough payroll in there to make that much of a difference. Credits is a big one, always missing. Dividend is a big one because most of them write with a carrier that is not filed right. for a dividend in the state of Florida. And so that's why you know it becomes imperative to know who can write what and all of that. And, and with that particular carrier, we represent them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've got to be careful there. But for the carriers that we represent that do have dividends in Florida, then the big wedge the payroll company drives back is typically, well, we won't administer your payroll unless we handle. I mean, we won't administer your workers comp unless we place the policy. Right. And then that comes into the use of RPM, which you've got 100 percent of our agency's experience in using. Talk about well, that for a minute. Yeah, the that thing about that, all of that. Yeah, it definitely does because they'll remit the premium to the carrier um, on the insured's behalf, and they get all the information. It's hands off. It's it's essentially like the payroll company is is still doing it. Like the the insured doesn't feel any of it or have to be involved. They get the reports from the payroll company and handle that every time the payroll is processed. And the fee that they charge to to do this is the same that the payroll company charges to do it for them. So it's really a, I mean, a no-brainer. It's a complete pass-through. It doesn't cost them, the insured, anything extra to do that. So it's been really easy to um, introduce that concept to some of my insureds to um, you know make sure that we're able to, to keep the comp and not increase any type of work that they are doing on their end. Or any expenses. That's a good point, man, is that, you know, it is a pass-through expense. I think most people mm -hmm. think that these payroll companies are just doing pay-as-you-go because they're kind-hearted people that just really want to help the common man, when <laughs> the fact of the matter is they're charging them money for it. Mm-hmm. 
right? And we have it's, to it's be like, able to it's highlight like 15 that. bucks a pay period. And it's the same, same thing that RPM charges. Right. Yeah. And so now you can pay the same $15 per pay period. But for us, you, let's just say you got 25 grand in comp premium. Mm-hmm. You could end up getting 20, 30% of that back at the end of the year if you're loss free. You know, if you've got a reasonable dividend plan, depending right. on which carrier we put it with, and those numbers aren't unrealistic. I mean, I think that's a big one. But the the loss cost multipliers is another big one. And I know, Gurley, you know more about this stuff because it, it's relevant where you're at. But the way that I understand that is, you know, and I think I'm fairly close to understanding it, considering I don't really write comp outside of Florida. I just have a lot of friends who do, and the people in Killing Commercial are using this as a way to prospect and it's a huge way for them to prospect. Let's say you have somebody that's got a little meat on the bone. They've got a pretty good mod and you go and look and see that they're with one of these carriers. That's got like eight different underwriting companies and they each have their own LCM attached to it. And you find out that they're in the worst LCM that they could be in. And it makes no sense. It's because the agent didn't bother to go push back against the carrier to put them into the better company. We got people in Killing Commercial just taking comp business hand over fist just by pointing that out to a client. Hey, just out of curiosity, you've got a best-in-class mod, but you're in the worst underwriting company, which means you're paying way more than you need to. How did that happen? So that's a that's actually a really, a really important thing to bring up because I was talking recently to an underwriter about this very thing. And the the uh, you know the you got these published base rates and then you multiply those rates times times the LCM to get the actual the rate right and so um, we we were talking about this and in one particular class code in the worst possible writing company they had the the rate was like nine dollars okay but in the best possible writing company they had the rate was three dollars. And so to your point, absolutely, all this stuff is filed with the state. And in fact, used to in Georgia, you could look up every single rate from every single carrier. They had it published. I think you can still get it. You may have to request it. But you could go in and you could pick an insurance company that has all these different writing companies and you could see what their rate was on every single tier that they had filed. And the other thing that you can do that I don't think that payroll companies pay attention to at least in, you know, I know Florida is a little bit different, but like where, where we are, I talk a lot about how much credit do you have versus how much credit is available. I mean, because you can look on these, these policies and you can see that, hey, they're with XYZ national carrier and those national carriers may only be filed for 15% credit and they'll have 5% on there. Well, I know that there are other carriers out there that are filed for, you know, let's say 40% credit. or And I think that a lot of times these payroll companies, they just don't, they don't pay attention to that kind of stuff because they're not in the business of workers' compensation. Yeah, they don't know it. Yeah. Right. They don't know it and it's not relevant to what they're doing. They're trying to get the payroll deal, which I totally understand, but... So and, what and, determines and, and where was, they what what determines where they end up is it is it solely the agent putting them with with a certain carrier or how like how does that work? Well, that's just really I mean a, a negotiation thing. I mean that, okay. that's like I I envision that as being the same thing as us going to Amtrust in Florida, them having like dividend. ten different dividend options, and we have to get with the underwriter and say. 
here's what past performance dictates. This is really what I need to get the deal done. At the end of the day, it's all the same bucket of money relative to manual premium. It's a matter of whether or not you're in a state with filed discounts that you can go get better rates now. Or for us, it's delayed gratification. You can get a massive return if you have a good year, but you're nine months removed from the policy expiration before you see that money. That's right. Well, and that's so. Just, I think the negotiation's probably about the same. Yeah, I mean, it's really the same thing because I mean, using Amtrust for example, um, if I get a, if I am talking to the underwriter and they they send me a proposal that says technology on the front, I'm like, hey, what about Security National? Because I because I know mm. that's a better that's a that's a lower rated tier for them, and, and it. it can make a significant significant difference. And big shout out to Amtrust. I'm so thankful they asked me to be part of the. Amtrust inspired program. I'm going to make a, a really cool commercial with them and one of my clients next week. Nice. So big, big shout out to them. Um, thank them for that. But, uh, but you know, that's just an example. And every single carrier has that. And the thing is, every carrier, they have that one special tier, that, that secret thing that they don't tell anybody about, that they pull out every now and again, and they'll put your account in that. And then it's kind of like game over. And so whenever they tell you that, hey, we're, we're our best deal, usually they have that kind of one, one extra gear that they can put the account into. Um, Interesting. You know, to get, to get the premium down. But, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of rules in Georgia about debits and credits and different things like that and, and how carriers have to be filed. Uh, but, but even on a clean account, I mean, I've talked about this before without jumping subjects. If you have a clean account and they have 0% credit, and the carriers filed for forty percent. Then, the, then the question is why? Why are you not getting any credit, right? Right. And and you could be getting up to forty percent. But I think a lot of times that's what you get with the payroll companies is they don't know. Well, True. and I think it's important too. You know, I realize that some people are not going to agree with me in this situation. But guess what, people? That's why we all have our own agencies, and you can do it your way, and I'm going to do it mine. You know, we have a relate. We, I mean, we have a responsibility to our clients that is undeniable. But we also have a responsibility to our carriers. I mean, we're responsible for bringing them good risk. We're responsible for hitting our our loss ratios with them and also our production goals. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and advocate that if a carrier has forty percent that you need to go after that carrier to give you all 40% on every single risk. Mm -hmm. You need to look at each risk individually and ask yourself, is this thing going to blow up if I, if I put it at 40%? Because I think a lot of times, and we had, there was there was a, um, a back and forth in one of the online forums about something similar to this where... Um, I don't even remember what it was, but it ended up being really controversial that somebody was holding back on giving all the credit and somebody else said, no, you should give all the credit every single time. Here's the thing. If you know your client well, if you have a good loss profile on them, if you understand their total cost to risk, you should be able to go in and realize, you know what? If I, pr if I put this thing at a 40% discount, they have one or two claims this thing's going to blow up compared to where it would be otherwise. And you need to run some math on that, but you need to let experience do some talking for you too. Um, because, I, you know, I can tell you right now, there's been plenty of times where I've gone to an underwriter 
and they'll come back to me and say, we'll give you, um, we'll give you a guaranteed cost program, but we, we can't offer you a dividend. And I'll go back to them and say, well, why don't you give me 25% consent to rate and give me a 35% top side dividend so that my client, if they have a perfectly clean year, they're actually going to save 10% more than your manual premium would have been, but they have to achieve their objectives in order to do that. There's accounts where we're going into a situation where they need a little bit of negative motivation to implement what we're putting in. And I disclose that to the client too. I'll tell them, look, I can get here. Here's what I can do. I can do it this way with no dividend, or I can do it this way, get you a dividend and it's going to help you know, with the initiatives that we're putting in place, the client yeah. almost every single time takes the consent to rate and then they end up paying the dividend on the back end. We did that on mm -hmm. one of yours, that landscaping I was, account. I was just about to say, yeah, I was trying to remember the examples of that. I, 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 I don't know. But that Maybe one was that a one... unique situation because they had no coverage well, for 30 days. They didn't even yeah, know right. they had been canceled. They did have a claim or two the year before. So well, that was we an easy pitch because of all of those things. Yeah, it we made, weren't going to get sense, terms yeah. at all. Right. Yeah, the yeah, underwriter yeah. wasn't even going to give us anything. In the in, I went back and, and countered with that so that we could right. get terms because their only other option was to go into a PEO mm -hmm. for a ridiculous amount of money relative to to what we were able to do for them. And it worked out just like I said. They ended up yep. having a great year. They didn't have any losses, and they've gotten their dividend every year since at this point. They have, yeah. We were able to remove the um, the consent to rate like that next year. Well, I think. My, yeah, and I think too. So go getting back to wedges. Yeah, and you're right. They, they did. We had them pull the consent to rate the next year after they proved themselves. So now mm -hmm. they have a, no consent to rate and the dividend, and they're they're basically printing extra money every year. Right. My my thing is this. Like my number one wedge is. If you're not going to your insurance guy to buy your payroll, why are you going to your payroll guy to buy your insurance? True. Right? Yeah. Like people don't think about that. And that, then that opens the door for the conversation to talk about all of the other wedges that, that we've touched on. Josh, do you have any other wedge for a payroll company we haven't, haven't brought up? I mean, I, th I think just other than the fact that we're going to go in and help them with return to work, we're going to help them with soft cost and things like that. I mean, I think this has been pretty comprehensive. And to be fair, I think that, you know, at least where I'm at, uh, and probably most NCCI states, middle market accounts would almost, I mean, I've never seen one with a payroll company. I mean, I, right. I, I can tell you, I, I've never seen an account more than, now I've seen them with PEOs, but but just That's a straight different. up payroll, yep. payroll company, I've never seen an account over, you know, five or ten thousand dollars be with a payroll company see we see them all the time and that but that's good segue that's yeah. good segue into the next part of this and in the next part of it is how do you work with them so you know i think that it's important because payroll companies can be very good referral sources number one we need to be able to work with them because they can't write every code. Now, I mean, I know that some payroll companies have relationships with carriers that many people listening to the podcast are appointed with. And because of the volume that those payroll companies do with that particular carrier, they've got an expanded list of codes they can write that we can't. I also know that you can't AOR that policy away from the payroll company. Again, 
because of the volume that they do for that carrier. They're, they write the most workers' comp for that carrier in the country. So they have certain enhancements and certain protections. But that being said, they ain't going to write a roofer. Right. Probably not going to write somebody that's doing drywall. Probably not going to write a framer. Uh, many times not no. going to write an interior trim carpenter. I mean, there are things that we have the markets to do that they mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm. And so if you can place that business, they get the deal. So it's extremely lucrative for them to work with us and vice versa. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, and, and those examples that you gave are uh, absolutely some of the most frequent frequent ones that, um, you know, come my way from, from payroll reps that I work with. Um, and we've got markets for that stuff. So it, I mean, it works great. You know, we're able to, you know, to do a little trade off there and, and, you know, build that relationship. And I think the other thing is that we don't always think about is many times the payroll companies aren't necessarily competing with us for the workers comp. The payroll companies are out competing against PEOs to break that relationship, and they want to pull somebody out of a PEO, and they need help, right? They need so help on a, the comp side from a claim standpoint, from a paper standpoint. They may or may not have, this, depending on who it is, the same level of um, HR support, safety, uh, and risk management support that we're able to give at the agency level. We've invested heavily in being able to do those things. And because they can't do that and we can, we end up being a very powerful partner for them at the point of sale to help them sell against that PEO. I think one of the things that allows PEOs to be so successful in that, in that small, medium business space is because they go in and they hang their hat on all of the stuff that they're going to provide, and then it never happens. Yeah, I'm not well, saying it's necessarily the PEO's fault. A lot of the times, the PEO makes the tools available and the client doesn't use it, which is why we have somebody that's a dedicated resource internally that's the liaison between our clients and our value proposition to make sure that they understand how to use it and that we're following up to make sure they are using it and all of the education that goes with it. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're just a straight agency and you don't have that added value, if you don't have the Think HRs and all of the other stuff. Mineral. You know, good luck. <laughs> so what did he say? I, hey, that, he said, I said mineral. 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 Yeah, mineral. I'm, I'm going to call him Think HR till the day I die. It's, yeah, it's tough to, to get out of that habit. Um, I, I you, you bring up something that's a good point, though, there, you know, working with the payroll reps to, to kind of snag some of this PEO business. There's been a number of times in the past where I'll work with some of my better payroll reps that refer a decent amount of, of business over, and I will just send them a prospect list that I have of 50 PEO clients that are coming up for renewal in whatever month or, you know, whatever, whatever we decide that we're going to go after and I'll let them just call them and, and set up the appointment and they'll talk about the payroll piece and I'll talk about all the value adds that we're going to do in relation to the comp. And, and it's actually worked pretty well. So, I mean, that's something a little bit outside of the box that I don't think a lot of people um, do very frequently, but it's, it's super easy and they're the ones calling, you know, calling and setting up the appointment. I don't even have to do it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, a lot of people don't want to network with payroll people or, you know, uh, 
go back and forth with him to try and collaborate on deals when the fact of the matter is, for me, it's always been a great referral source. And, you know, look, even if the comp is not a tremendously large amount, the other by the time you round out the other lines, it's pretty hard-pressed you're not going to get a $5,000 revenue account from these deals. Pretty pretty rare. It's not going to be at least five grand. Kyle, I just wrote that down, my friend. That is a That is actually a great strategy that I'm embarrassed to say I have never tried. But... I'm going to try it now. Well, there you go. Do it, man. I mean, it's it's easy. You need to pass that off to your boy Agar up there. I know. Listen, I, I'm over here, and I've, I've got Salesforce pulled up on the other screen, and I'm looking to see how many calls Mr. Agar has made this morning, and he'll probably kill me for talking about this on the podcast, but Mr. Agar... That's all right. The age of accountability for Agar started on August 1st. That is that is very true. Hey, we Brandon, sh- no worries, man. The whole country's watching you. No pressure. Hey, well, it, it all started with with him reaching out to you, and then he ends up working for me. So he 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 basically opened himself. That's what up. I call the Tom uh, Sawyer. <laughs> he opened himself up to this. So, but he's actually made some calls this morning. So good for him. He's made eleven calls so far. We spent the first four days of his employment. Getting, getting him set up, getting him on all the systems, getting all the HR stuff done. And he's made 11 calls this morning so far, so good for him. There you go. I'll check in you know with what? him when this we've, is over. And, and we've had it. this weird thing, this weird phenomenon just start happening for no reason, and I asked Kyle to make sure he addresses it immediately with Marvin. But it's already been done. I, I'm almost wondering if, like... Is Marvin an avatar for just whatever random VA we have calling for us and we'll never know because they're on the other side of the world? And, and the reason I say that is like things go in spurts and it just gets weird all of a sudden for no reason. But like in the last three or four days, I have had no less than a half a dozen phone calls come to my number. And it's somebody saying, I was told to call this number about workers comp. Yes. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what? what what the deal is with that is um, he. So I, I emailed him this morning after after I was able to get uh, away from Nash down there. Who, by the way, I, I, I'm sure you can hear. It sounds like Mini Me screaming down there. He's like, Ehh. oh, he's just um, crushing it. Yeah. And by the way, can I just say that um, I can pre- I, I prefer my Marvin not to think for itself. <laughs> it's so I, I, I want my Marvin just to follow directions. That's it. Well, he was like, I, I only do that when the people I talk to insist to get a voicemail instead, or if I've called them multiple times already, but it just goes to their voicemail. I give the extension number of the company owner on HubSpot, and then I tell them we want to have a brief call with them. About, it's about their workers' comp renewal, and our firm specializes in helping with the but, workers' but comp. But here's a problem, Marvin. We don't know. We don't so, know these people are yeah, calling us. Right. I was like, it puts us I've at a massive disadvantage kids. because yeah. if they call back, we have no idea who they are or anything about their company. It makes for an extremely awkward conversation. <laughs> so Yeah, I had four fighting kids in the Tahoe going to Chicken Taco Loco the other night and I'm getting a call from a controller of a middle market company wanting to talk about workers comp while I'm happy to talk about them not the appropriate venue no I'm with you so that that should be nipped in the bud there so I set up a call to talk with him next week on Wednesday Mm. anyways we hired a VA at our office um, but it's in personal lines and, and her name is Sashka and I just like saying the name Sashka she lives in Macedonia, um, and, she, right. and she's awesome. 
So I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know her if she walked in my office. I have no idea what she looks like. But uh, but I'm glad I feel to like you her. could pick a Sashka out of a lineup. I let's yeah. I I feel like we could too. I feel like Sashka's probably got. Um, I feel like she's goth. Actually, I feel like she. <laughs> I feel like she's goth with red hair, uh, maybe uh, pasty white skin, but heavy on the eyeliner. I, Possibly multiple piercings. I, 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 w- I wouldn't know, fellas, but I can tell you this is that I think if you're, and you know, we're doing this in personal lines to be fair, but I, I do think there are, I, I, before we ever hired a, a, a VA, I was very skeptical of the VA thing, but now, now that we have one, I mean, I, I really enjoy. Um, what she does for us, and she she mm-hmm. does all of our personal lines quoting, and that's just allowing our our ladies and personal lines to work their expiration list and really uh, go for it on that side. So who knows? Maybe we'll have a Marvin soon calling for us. There you go. I can't wait until the first time one of your uh, legacy personal lines ladies walks in with like thigh high boots with zippers and hooks all over them, <laughs> just like Sashka wears. all right well listen let's wrap this one up let everybody get started with their weekend the next episode is the last one of the girly sessions which i think is hilarious that we call them the girly sessions i swiped that from zach brown band zach brown band had the grohl sessions so with dave grohl so i figured we could girly sessions or whatever hey can i say one thing about zach brown is that okay yeah hold on but we're going to talk about niche marketing in building a niche in the oh. next episode at a very surface level, because you got a big announcement that we're gonna gonna make at the end of that one. Sweet. Well, hey Zach Brown, let me tell you this: he he used to play every single Thursday night at the Main Street Mansion in Carrollton, Georgia, and he is the perfect example of a person that just went to work every single day and so, never quit. And he <laughs> never and, quit. And, and he never quit. Like. He all those songs, toes in the water, chicken fried, all those songs that became these massive hits mm-hmm. for, for this guy. He was playing these songs back in two thousand and three at the Main Street Mansion in Carrollton, and there was like 15, 15 people there, right. and everybody and and like I was like trying to to rip these songs off of Napster and stuff like that back back then, and you could you couldn't even find <laughs> Napster. Them. So, so I'm Napster just telling and you, LimeWire, hell yeah, LimeWire. Yeah. What about Kazaa? That that was crazy. I got so many viruses from I got that enough shit. I got enough viruses off of LimeWire. I didn't need <laughs> yeah. to go anywhere else for my file sharing services. All I'm telling uh, you is, is is Zach Brown, he he put in the work. Put in the still work. Does. It. Still does. Still does. By far by far the best live concert I've ever been to. Every time I go, like they pride themselves on putting on a ridiculous show and they do in the musicianship that just the, the technical ability that his bands that, that his band has is insane like if you just look at it from a raw technical music perspective these guys are like the masters of their craft every single one of them it's it's nuts so anyhow we're done for this episode of shop talk everybody have a good weekend see ya
been listening to Power Producers Shop Talk. You can follow us at the Power Producers Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to take your game to the next level, check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit Amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book, The Extra Two Minutes.